Welcome to Ghost Riders Anonymous, an inspirational and interactive podcast where we create worlds through words and writing. I'm Kelsey, and today I'd like to know if you were a Nickelodeon show, what Nickelodeon show would you be? I would be, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Today I'm going to talk about The Babysitter's Club, book number two, Claudia and the Phantom Phone Calls by Anne M. Martin. So a little bit about Claudia, she lives with her mom and her dad, her older sister Janine, and then her grandmother Mimi. And Claudia is an artsy girl and she's working on, in this chapter, a still life painting for school. She's having trouble connecting with Janine because Janine is very fact-based and Claudia is very fine arts-based. And so their line of thinking is just never matching up. Mimi, the grandmother, is helping Claudia with her homework and then also sort of coaching her. You guys might not be close now, but maybe later in life you will. Just giving her that sort of pep talk. In this chapter, we're going to focus on these phantom phone calls. It all surrounds this jewel thief that is burglarizing nearby towns. And the babysitters are afraid that the jewel thief is going to come to Stony Brook. What he does is he'll call a house through a landline, and if someone answers, he'll immediately hang up. And then he'll wait 30 minutes to an hour and then try to call again. The idea is if no one answers, then no one's home, so then he'll strike that house. Two of the babysitters, Christy and Claudia, have been getting phantom phone calls. And so Christy, the president, is super hyped up and she thinks, okay, maybe we need some sort of plan in place in case there is a burglary at a house that one of us are babysitting at. The plan is this over-the-phone code. So let's say Claudia's babysitting and she thinks someone's about to break in or is breaking in. Then she's going to call one of the other girls, Christy, Marianne, or Stacy, and say, have you found my red ribbon. And then the other girl is supposed to respond, oh, you mean the blue one? Mentioning the red ribbon is a red alert, help, SOS. And then the blue ribbon is, I understand what you're telling me and I will get help. I think these girls are in like seventh or eighth grade. All of book two is through Claudia's voice. She's narrating. And I'm going to read a real quick snapshot of Claudia at her home. And then that evening she's going over to babysit. That night, Janine helped me with my homework. She is picky, picky, picky. I bet teachers wouldn't even notice half the things she makes me correct. We were just finishing up when a great crash of thunder sounded. Gosh, it's late in the season for thunderstorms, Janine remarked. Oh, but I love them, I said. They make me feel shivery. Janine? Hmm? Remember when we were little and we'd crawl under mom and dad's bed during thunderstorms? We'd pretend we were camping, but we were really just hiding. Yeah, I said fondly. Very interesting psychologically, said Janine. The fear process. Janine? What? Shut up. Janine glared at me and then stalked out of the room. I knew Mimi had said I would have to work at being Janine's friend, and she was right. It would take a lot of work. How did Janine get the fear process out of something as nice as autumn thunderstorms? Even so, I resolved not to give up so easily the next time we talked. I flicked on the radio and turned it to the local station. I listened to it while I worked on my still life. Maybe the weather report would mention something about the thunderstorm. I dabbed away at the gray area under the egg. It's hard to figure out what shape shadow an egg will cast. The music came to an end and I perked up my ears. 
At the top of the news, said the radio newscasters suddenly, is a local story. The thief dubbed the Phantom Caller has been spotted in a stolen car traveling south through New Jersey. State troopers are tailing him. Details on the hour. All right, I cried. He's gone. I was so excited that I turned off the radio, snatched up the phone, and called Stacy. Guess what? Guess what? I cried. What? said Stacy excitedly. Wait, Trevor called you, right? Oh, I knew he would. I knew it. Oh, Claude, did he ask? Stacy, Stacy, I said. That's not it. I felt like a deflated balloon. He didn't call. It's something else. Unfortunately, that something else wasn't as exciting as Trevor. Oh, said Stacy. The phantom caller's gone. I just heard it on the radio. You're kidding. Nope. Headed south through New Jersey, away from us. The police are after him. Oh, I hope they catch him. Well, even if they don't, he's out of our hair. We can forget about the phantom caller for good. A little while later, I hung up the phone. Then I called Christy to tell her the news, and then I called Mary Ann. Boy, we were relieved. The next evening, I had a sitting job for two little girls, Nina and Eleanor Marshall. On school nights, I'm allowed to babysit until 9.30. The deal with my homework is that it must get done in the afternoon. I worked on it with my mother. At 7.30 that night, I was in the Marshall's kitchen pouring a glass of milk for Nina, who's three. Eleanor, who's just a year old, was already in bed. The radio was playing in the background. Nina was watching TV in the den. Then, just like the night before, a song ended and the announcer began the evening news with a piece about the phantom caller. Oh good, I thought, they've captured him. But I was wrong. Very wrong. The man thought to be the phantom caller, said the newscaster, has been captured and is not the Phantom Caller. The Phantom Caller is still at large. Still at large? What a horrible way to phrase that. It sounded as if he might be anywhere. Maybe in the Marshal's backyard, or peering through the kitchen window. I turned off the radio. Then I dared to look around to see whether the Phantom Caller was at the window. All I could see were the kitchen lights reflected in the glass. I put the carton of milk in the refrigerator and picked up the glass. Nina, I called. Here's your milk. She scurried into the kitchen, just as the phone rang. I want to talk, she said. I was trembling, but I tried not to let Nina know. Only if it's your mom, I told her. I picked her up and lifted the receiver, dreading the voice I might hear, hoping it really was Mrs. Marshall just calling to check on things. Hello, I said lightly, for Mrs. Marshall's benefit. Silence. Hello? Hello? More silence. Then a click as the caller hung up. Oh my gosh. The phantom caller was in Stony Brook. I just knew it. I wonder if I should call Stacy and give her our coded message. Was I supposed to ask about barrettes? Ribbons? Claudia? I jumped a mile as Nina asked. Who is it? Wrong number, I said. I hung up the phone, put her down, and handed her the milk. Well, let's go watch TV, I suggested. I can't anymore. Why not? Because my show is over. I have to go to bed. Nina was getting a milk mustache. So soon? That's my bedtime, after my show. I knew what her bedtime was, but maybe just once she could stay up a little longer. How about a special treat, I said excitedly. You can stay up until 8 o'clock. But Mommy and Daddy don't let me. That's the rule. What was I doing anyway trying to convince a three-year-old to keep me company? Okay then, upstairs we go. Nina handed me her empty glass. I put it in the sink and we climbed the stairs. 
I turned on every light I could possibly find. I wondered what kind of jewelry Miss Marshall had. After Nina was in bed, I tiptoed to Eleanor's room to check on her. I stood in the doorway and let the light from the hall shine into her bedroom. I stared at her crib. It looked empty. Oh my gosh, maybe the phantom caller was in the Marshall's house somewhere and he'd taken Eleanor. I dashed over to her crib. There she was, all bunched into a corner. I straightened her out and covered her up again. Eleanor sighed in her sleep. I sighed too. I turned off the upstairs light and went back down to the den. I turned the TV on. Then I turned it off. If the TV was on, the phantom caller could sneak up on me too easily. I sat in the silence and flipped through a magazine. Crick, crick, crick. What was that? Just the marshal's cat settling down on a pile of newspapers. Plink, plink. What was that? Water dripping in the sink. All the little noises were driving me crazy. I put the TV back on. I tried to watch it, but my gaze kept traveling to the dark windows that faced the backyard. Finally, I couldn't stand it any longer. I shut the curtains. Then I decided to call Stacy. Claudia, Stacy exclaimed when she got on the phone. Have you been listening to the news? Yes, I said. What do you think? I was just going to call you because I know you're babysitting and I don't know what to think. Oh, it's so spooky here. Every little noise makes me jump. And you know what? The phone rang a while ago, and the caller didn't say a word. He just hung up. Oh, but you're... you're not asking about your hair ribbon, Stacy said cautiously. No, I replied. Not yet. Do you want me to come over? I do, but I don't want the marshals to come home and find you here with me. I don't want them to think I can't handle a simple job by myself. Well, do you want me to stay on the phone a while? Yes, that would be great. So what's going on with Trevor? asked Stacy. Oh, the usual. Nothing? Yeah, I wonder if he even knows about the Halloween hop. Poets are sometimes off in their own worlds. Maybe he hasn't heard the announcement in school. Oh, I bet he has, said Stacy. How could anyone miss them? She put her hand over the receiver to disguise her voice and did a pretty good imitation of Mr. Taylor talking on the intercom. As you know, children, Halloween falls on October 31st this year. I giggled. Mr. Taylor is so dumb. He thinks we... I broke off. Claudia? asked Stacy. Shh. I held the phone away from my ear and listened intently. I definitely heard footsteps in the garage. Stacy, Stacy, I said urgently. Have you found my... I mean, did you see my... Have you found my... My... Your red ribbon? Whispered Stacy. Yes, I gasped. Yes, I did. I mean, no, I found... I... Did you find my blue? Oh no. Stacy, someone's at the garage door. I can hear the knob rattling. I'm going to call the police. Claudia? Called a deep voice. It was all I could do not to shriek. He called my name. I yelped to Stacy. Claudia? Said the voice again. We've misplaced the house keys. Can you let us in, please? I let my breath out in one long, shaking sigh. It's the marshal, Stace. I whispered. Gotta go. I'll call you when I get home. I ran to the back door, unlocked it, and flung it open. I have never, ever in my whole life been so glad to see anybody. Hi, Claudia, said Mrs. Marshall. Mr. Marshall was standing behind her, patting his pockets and muttering, I can't figure out where those darn keys went. I held the door open for them. Sorry for the confusion, Mrs. Marshall went on. The house keys may be at Mr. Marshall's office. Here, dear, use mine, said Mrs. Marshall to her husband. She took a ring of keys from a peg in the back hall and handed it to him. Then she turned to me. How were the girls tonight? Oh, just fine, I said. Nina went to bed as soon as her show was over. 
Good, no problems then? None at all. I was still shaking. Mrs. Marshall began rummaging through her purse for money. A few minutes later, as Mr. Marshall was opening the door to walk me home, the phone rang. I heard Mrs. Marshall pick it up and say hello. Then I heard her hang up saying, That's strange. I shivered. It was strange, all right. So, as it turns out, these phantom phone calls are actually coming from Trevor. He's calling Claudia, trying to ask her to the Halloween hop, but he keeps getting nervous and hanging up. The twist is Christy is also getting phantom phone calls. Well, that's a separate boy trying to ask her to the dance as well. He knows the houses that she's babysitting at because Christy has brought their record book to school with all their schedules, their appointments, the addresses they're going to be at, etc., etc. And this guy that's always picking on her has taken note of these addresses and he's given the intel to Trevor. And so at the end, they all piece it together. Oh, okay, they both were just trying to ask us to the Halloween hop, which they do attend. So in our Fat Cat episode, I discuss book one. And in book one, we meet Morbida Destiny, who is this witch-like woman that lives next door to Watson. Watson is Christie's soon-to-be stepfather. And Watson has two kids that Christie, in this excerpt, is babysitting. Marianne has already babysat them, and she encountered Morbida Destiny, who is also known as Mrs. Porter. Watson's daughter, Karen, has heard all the neighborhood kids call her a witch, and they have given her the Monica Morbida Destiny. Watson's fat cat, Boo Boo, whenever he gets out, he'll go into Morbida Destiny's garden and torment the old woman. If any of the babysitters are over, they try to be mindful of when they're letting Boo Boo out. Well, this particular night that Christy is babysitting, Boo Boo gets out. And so before long, there's a knock on the door and there is Mrs. Porter, i.e. Morbida Destiny, standing on the front porch. It was the first time Christy had actually seen her, although she had imagined her vividly after Marianne's encounter. No wonder Karen thought she was a witch. An old, whiskery face with snappish little eyes sat under a mop of frowsy gray hair. And sure enough, she was wearing a long black dress. Watson said Mrs. Porter was just eccentric, but Christy was not at all sure. She gasped when she saw her. This cat, said Morbid at Destiny, was on my front porch. Uh, I'm sorry, said Christy. He got out by accident. I hope he wasn't bothering you. Morbid at Destiny deposited Boo Boo in an ungraceful heap in Watson's front hall. Boo Boo tore out of the hall, heading for the laundry room. Wasn't bothering me, cried Morbid at Destiny. Do you know what he was doing on my porch, girly? Christy shook her head. He was eating a field mouse, that's what. And do you know what's left on my porch now? Christy shook her head, shuddering. A bit of fur, a bit of tail, and... I'm so sorry, Moore, Mrs. Porter, Christy interrupted. I'd like to come over and clean it up, but I'm babysitting here and I can't leave the... Never mind, I've taken care of it. Morbid of Destiny reached into her robes, pulled out a small paper bag, and thrust it at Christy. There are the remains. You get rid of them. She turned and flapped into the night. Now, I'll prove to you just how smart Christy is. Christy said that right then, when Mrs. Porter shoved that bag into her hands, she was really scared. And she was really disgusted by what was in the bag. But you know what her first thought was? It was that if Mrs. Porter were a true witch, she would have kept the bag for herself because she could have used the mouse fur and mouse tail in her spells. So even though Christy was shaking all over, she was relieved too. 
So far, I've read book one, two, and three. Book three focuses on Stacy, who is the treasurer. I think Claudia is my favorite character right now, and so a book that was kind of more focused on her as the narrator was good. And I also liked the concept of this book more. I liked the idea of this jewel thief that's calling these houses, trying to burglarize them, and how there's all this hype on the media about the Phantom Caller, the Phantom Caller, and it's stressing these girls out, and Claudia is really hoping that Trevor will ask her to the dance, but she's convinced that he doesn't even know that she exists, and he is actually trying to call her and just hanging up, losing his nerve. I just love junior high, high school storylines. I've had book four for a while now, I just haven't read it yet. Usually in between a few books, I'll sneak one in, and I just haven't gotten there yet. If you'd like to share anything with us, then please email us at gwritersanon at gmail.com. You can visit our Facebook page. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next week. I knew Mimi had said what I would have. Oh my gosh. Well. Mm-hmm.